Welcome to the Decent Crypto Podcast. Today is another decent deep dive. We're digging into our second favorite subject, Terra Luna. Matt, how you doing on this decent deep dive? I'm doing good, man. I'm ready to go deep. <laughs> We're going to go deep today, baby. Um, so Luna has been making the rounds. Doquan has been making the rounds. This is everybody's favorite stable coin right now. Stable Quan is everybody's favorite stable Quan right now. Uh, there's just a lot to talk about. Uh, we're going to get into all of it. Uh, this, this could easily be a nine-hour deep dive. This could be a nine-hour deep dive. But we fear, could, fear not, dear listener. We're going to limit ourselves. We're going to go eight and a half. <laughs> uh, no, we're, we're going to get into all of this stuff. There's just like a lot to talk about um, from a technical perspective, from a economic perspective from a tokenomic perspective from a this guy is buying a fuck ton of bitcoin and now avalanche perspective from a new world order perspective from doquan is going to be the richest guy in the world very mm-hmm. soon i've been saying this perspective mm-hmm. let's uh, let's go matt uh where do you want to start uh why don't we can can you give me like as someone who like doesn't necessarily follow i'm not i'm no lunatic here right uh how, how big has this thing gotten luna is big luna is now at a 50 billion dollar market cap just wow. about it is as of today i want to say number seven in market cap uh in all of crypto it is gotten so big that they are planning to buy 10 billion dollars worth of bitcoin in the coming years they are buying 100 million dollars worth of avalanche soon um and so this is this is this is pretty big stuff top top 10 right um like and i and i feel like this really blew up on everybody's radar really over the last like six months or so um you know, we'd all sort of heard about it, but uh, but it but it seems like you're sort of seeing them more and more, not just from like a news cycle perspective, but from a like economic impact, like buying other tokens, sort of like spreading their ecosystem, right? Absolutely. So we're we are recording this on the seventh of April, two thousand twenty-two. On the seventh of April, two thousand twenty-one, Luna was at fifteen dollars. Wow. So it's gone up seven eight x depending on when you're listening to this and maybe there's just there's just been so much going on and they've picked up so much traction you had a stat for me right before we recorded that ust which is the main product of the terra platform which luna is the native token of ust was at 2.5 billion dollars right their total market cap um, in they, they they had they had 2.5% of all stablecoin market cap stat. as of uh, like November 1st of 2.5% right uh, but uh, but now they're sitting at about 9% 9% nine. so almost yeah. four times in just 5 months yeah and and in the meantime you know the you know total stablecoin market cap ha- has increased substantially and so, you know, really it went from outstanding market cap of UST from, from 3 to $16 billion over the span of like five months. And in that time, it's not like crypto has been on fire or anything like that. November was the top for just about everything. Yeah. For just about every single 
coin november was the exact top and uh, terra the ecosystem luna the coin has just been ripping the whole time um <clears throat> so there's a lot to talk about there like why wh- the core question of our podcast we say this quite a bit but is wh- why does this thing exist right why does terra the platform the the, the protocol and Luna, the token, why do these things exist, Matt? So I think that um, really the answer is stable coins. Okay. Right? So this is a, this is a kind of an oversimplification, but also kind of not. Mm-hmm. Um, so uh, so if you think about the existing like stablecoin options, right, they really can kind of get bucketed into one of two categories. You have centralized and decentralized stablecoins. Okay. Um, so... Let's talk about centralized stablecoins for a sure. second. So, uh, so these are the ones that you know and love, right? USDT or Tether, uh, USDC, um, and you know Binance USD, right? Sure. These, these are uh, stablecoins that are issued one to one for a dollar or like a you know a dollar's worth of money market funds sitting in a bank account somewhere. And these are centralized because there's one specific party that's taking custody of certain funds, which are usually U.S. dollars or treasuries or some kind of very safe, stable asset. Yes, exactly. And they issue this on-chain asset that is a proxy of that $1. And they manage the issuance of that coin. Yeah, as well as the redemption, right? So if you had some USDT, you could go to, you know, the Tether company and ask to swap it one-to-one for a dollar. And they would do that for you. Okay. Um, so Wait, you're not a tether truther? <laughs> <laughs> they would do it. They would do it for me. <laughs> they would do it for you. Yeah. <laughs> not um, with that attitude, they would. <laughs> uh, okay, cool. So those well, are centralized. So, so you hit on an important question here, right? Which is like, first, like the, there's a there's a vector of trust required, which is that like, how do I know that like tether actually has those dollars? To back all of the USDT in circulation, they don't obviously. <laughs> um, sure, sure, Grandma. <laughs> Let's get you to bed. What is what is this? Twenty seventeen. <laughs> oh man. I mean, remember people were talking about, uh, oh, this is so fishy. Every time more tether gets printed, Bitcoin goes up. And like, are these guys just printing te- USDT to buy Bitcoin on the open market? And like, is this whole thing a Ponzi that's about to implode when some? day somebody asks them for dollars back the answer is yes <laughs> it's going straight to zero. <laughs> oh man um but uh yeah like there there is kind of an underlying like question questionability of like well should i really have to trust that like there's there is a dollar of assets in that account somewhere sure i mean you can kind of see how this this is like uh you know in a, in a typical banking system this is kind of a core issue too, right? Um, and, and this is sort of what led to like inflation during the 70s, right? Is like each dollar was meant to be backed by a certain amount of gold that you could like withdraw at will. Uh, and like all of a sudden, like there was a run on the bank and like it turns out there actually wasn't enough gold to like back it or we decided not to not to honor the the liability there, um, you know, and we, we printed up more liabilities than assets on our balance sheet. Um, so similarly, like, you know, really 
all of crypto is meant to be trustless, right? Uh, yeah. Or, you know, trustlessness is a spectrum, but, like, there's, you know, a good case to be made for the fact that, like, we should have a trustless way of representing $1 on the blockchain. Um, and so so that kind of leads you to, or, or, well, okay, and then, then there is one other issue here, which is, uh, which is like, uh, I guess, accessibility or openness, right? Okay. Um, or censorship, you could call it on, on the other side. Sure, censorship resistance in general is a very core concept in crypto. Yeah, um, you want to know that like, if you know, if you have the keys to your crypto, then it's your crypto to spend or send as you see fit to do whatever you want with it. There's an amazing thread by Punk6529 on the freedom to transact. I think it's like his most popular thread ever. Yeah, I read this one. Yeah, it's amazing. It's basically talking about how the freedom to transact underlies the freedom to do anything else, really. Because in society, like everything you need, everything you want to accomplish in society is going to cost you a little everything bit of money. Costs money. So the freedom to transact without censorship is is one and the same with with freedom overall. To do um, anything else, yeah, yeah. exactly. So, um, so censorship resistance is fundamental to to transacting yeah in in any form like it and he's he actually makes this point in that thread that until 2001 and he puts that year in there i don't know you can probably squabble over which year exactly but he was saying until until 2001 we had this in pure cash recently or in coins in the past or in gold in the uh, you know like ancient past ancient ancient past but in this digital era we don't necessarily have that there are many many added layers of centralization where our transactions can be censored whether that be in countries where uh, you, you don't have you don't agree with the current thing or the current thing doesn't agree with you um exactly or in our our society here in the United States where you could be operating in businesses that uh, certain companies like Visa and MasterCard don't like and they cut you off completely your banks might cut you off completely yeah you can it's a very real threat you can get debanked right like I mean we just saw that in Canada right with these truckers and that was just that was literally the freedom of speech getting cut off by the inability to transact right like these people were trying to make a stand they literally had they, they were robbed right they were robbed of their funds um of, the, of their own money so yeah i mean uh but but even like outside of like uh uh political context right um you could just be you know you could be someone who's innovating right uh so you know the uniswap founder mm-hmm. right got debanked by JP Morgan. Yes. Uh, you know, he had a, he had a bank account there. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he created this, you know, sort of fundamental, like, pillar of DeFi. Uh, and as a result, uh, JP Morgan was like, we don't want you as a client anymore. Uh, and so all of a sudden, boom, debanked, right? Um, and Needs so... Needs to go bankless. Yeah. <laughs> uh, exactly. If only he'd listened to their podcast. Um <laughs> Um, no, but so this is a real threat, and we're seeing this be a real threat in centralized stable coins as well, right? 
Yeah, so for example, the USDC stablecoin, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, because Circle, like the um, the issuer, I guess Coinbase can issue as well, but because these these companies are are domiciled and regulated in the U.S., um, if the U.S. government comes to them and says, "Hey, this address here is like problematic for some reason." you know, maybe they're doing something illegal or like they're, you know, a Russian oligarch or something like we want you to any reason they can freeze assets in a bank account. They can also call a freeze function in the USDC contract where a certain address can no longer send or receive USDC. And if they, so this is done at the contract level, it's done at the contract level. It's in the contract code. Wow. Uh, okay. Yeah. Um, I think it's either called freeze or blacklist. Uh, but you know, and th- this has happened in the past too, right? Like, uh, so so we've seen instances of Circle or whichever entity is issuing this USDC actually freeze. Is it certain transactions or is it certain user accounts that they're freezing? Their addresses. Their addresses um, altogether, so you can never interact again. Yeah, and if and you all your had, funds are gone. If you had USDC, they're not transferable anymore. Wow. Uh, yeah, which basically means they're, they're gone, right? Uh, so it's the exact same situation as this trucker situation we saw in Canada. I mean, I, I don't... Uh, I didn't follow that as closely as you did, but I I would assume that with the truckers, they eventually got their money or got the right to transact once more. Uh, not not like that I know of. Once the protests as of yet. ended, right? Uh, like you'd think that like there would be an avenue for that in in like most countries, right? Like they're not seizing the assets; they're freezing them. Well, civil well criminal asset forfeiture is absolutely a thing, and even civil asset forfeiture is a thing. In, yeah, and I mean it, US, it gets it gets done so, all the time yeah. with like questionable evidence, oh, right? Yeah. I mean it's it's a big it's a bigger problem than I think like you and I would necessarily see in our day to day life. Oh right? yeah, and that's that's in countries like the U.S. and Canada. It's way worse in places like India and where I come from, and yeah, a lot of other places. So yeah, yeah. Um, so this is a real problem. We're seeing it happen in USDC, which is unfortunate. I mean, USDC has, has you know, uh, frozen or, or debanked 580 addresses just on the Ethereum blockchain. Wow. Okay. Yeah. So, uh, so if you had one of those addresses and, and maybe you were mistakenly tagged or something, like maybe you needed that USDC to buy groceries, to pay the rent or whatever, uh, your assets can just get frozen, at which point they're effectively worthless, right? Um, because you can't move them. Um, or spend them. So, okay. so we're seeing this in USDC, which is like very unfortunate, right? Uh, because they're gaining a lot of market share. I mean, they're up from, you know, I think this time last year they were at 20 billion, uh, USDC issued now they're like 50. Right. Um, and so, uh, you know, the centralized stable coins have these sort of two clear issues, which is like, they require that trust that like the actual assets are backing them. Uh huh. And then there's this whole censorship resistance component as well. Right. And the first piece you can kind of get around by getting audited and doing proof of reserves, that kind of thing, right? Yeah. But that second piece, the censorship resistance, is really hard to avoid when you have one centralized party. Yeah. And I mean, both of them require ongoing trust, right? Yeah, absolutely. I I would say even you can add a third one, which is that they themselves might have security liabilities, right? Like, let's say they get hacked or something like that. Yeah, for sure. Smart contract risk yeah. or, or just server risk. Yeah. 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 So, yeah, I mean, centralization has been kind of played out. I think people really understand that having 
central points of failure uh, for something like this is uh, is an issue. <clears throat> yeah, and you want an alternative. So this is not really a new concept. People have been trying to have decentralized stable coins for a while now. Really, Maker was the first attempt, I would say. Can you I, give Can you give us like a like a quick overview of Maker? Uh, like a very quick overview of Maker is that you. Uh, so on a technical level, like I, I would say you, you probably can explain better than I can, but Maker is basically an attempt at have, they have two different currencies. They have uh, MKR, uh, which is their like DAO t- uh, governance token. Uh, and then they have DAI, which is their decentralized stable coin. So one DAI is meant to represent one US dollar. Um, you have to uh, borrow DAI using another asset that you collateralize something like eth um that you collateralize and you borrow die against it and it's always over collateralized yeah so and that's the way that you mint new die by collateralizing another crypto asset and uh minting this new die that you can then use in whatever DeFi ecosystem like like practically speaking why would you want to do that so you don't have so the reason that you would want to do that is so that you don't have to sell your assets and you can take a loan you basically can, can take a loan against them and uh, use use these assets use these stable coins uh, to to do whatever else yeah uh, and and what happens if uh, like you know your assets like they have to be over collateralized mm-hmm. right so you you put in a thousand dollars worth of Ethereum. And you borrow five hundred dollars worth of you or worth of die, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so, uh, what happens if like the price of Ethereum falls fifty percent? Yeah. So the protocol will then liquidate your assets to maintain their reserves. So they don't want their reserves to fall under that one to one peg. So if it looks like Ethereum is going to fall to such a low level where it won't be able to collateralize the die that's been minted then the protocol will liquidate that ethereum at at a certain level that's been determined you know by the protocol when you uh enter that contract it will liquidate that and make sure that the reserve is still backed one-to-one yeah so you have to take on risk even to just create die right yeah absolutely so when you go into a when you enter a smart contract in uh, MakerDAO, you and, and you collateralize your assets. You are basically saying that there is a chance that all of these assets that I collateralized w- could be gone. If the price moves to a certain level, I could lose all of these assets that I've put in. Yeah. Um, so, so you touched on one reason that you might want to do this, which is like to take a loan out against your Ethereum, right? Uh, and so, like, uh, this is this is useful. Like, you know, it's it's April, it's tax season. This is useful from a tax perspective because taking out a loan is, is not a taxable event. Mm-hmm. Um, but then it also like enables you to like, if you're bullish on the underlying asset, it gets you a little bit of liquidity, but you don't lose the upside, right? Right. Um, so, uh, so I guess I guess that makes sense, right? Um, but like, uh, there there's another uh, reason, which I think is like sort of the primary one, uh, which is to get leverage, right? Mm. So you you deposit a thousand dollars worth of Ethereum, 
and then they mint you $500 worth of dye, 500 mm-hmm. dye. Uh, and then you can take that dye and do whatever you want with it, right? Uh, yeah. As long as, like, the price of Ethereum doesn't drop to the point where they have to liquidate your collateral. But you, right. you can still do whatever you want with it. Like, it's yours, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so, uh, so you can take it and buy more Ethereum, for example. Uh, and so this can gain you leverage, right? Uh, and, um, and so that's kind of, like... An issue, right? Because in a bull market, you know, the demand to create die is super high, right? Yeah. Uh, but in a bear market, nobody wants to risk like losing their Ethereum if the price drops fifty percent or whatever. Uh, and so people don't really want to um, don't really want to take out a stablecoin denominated alone in a bear market, right? Uh, and so that decreases like overall demand for like any kind of lending based, uh, you know, uh, stable coin. Right. So I see. So this this sort of family of stable coin, like we see it with like Maker, we see it with like there's clones on other blockchains. Right. There's sure. a, there's spell with like Mim uh-huh. uh, and there's I, I think there's like another one on Phantom. Uh, but uh, like these are. uh you know, th- there there is kind of a, a core issue here, which is that the the like availability of that stablecoin, like if you want to use a stablecoin as like the day to day transaction mechanism, then you need like supply to be kind of high. Yeah. And this creates a fundamental issue where like the supply is capped by the overall demand for these loans. Right. So the idea being, when the liquidity really dries out, it dries out and. When it's that dry and you want to come in with size, you won't be able to do that. I'm not sure I see what you mean. So, like, the the system depends on people wanting to take loans, right? Yeah. When that stops happening, there is not going to be a liquid supply to for somebody new to come in and take, like, a large size loan. Is that how? Is that correct? I mean, you can mint as much dive as you want for your ETH, right? Like as long as you don't, as long as you're still over collateralized. The the bigger issue is that like uh, any any currency, any like which is like what a stablecoin is really trying to be, mm-hmm. uh, needs to have like enough M one supply, like circulating money supply, yeah, yeah, yeah. to be used in the day to day transactions. I see and what so, you mean. Like depending on like the transaction velocity is like maybe constant, right? The velocity of money, uh, where like I want to buy a cup of coffee, I do it every fucking day, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, whereas like, uh, you know, the supply of money is not constant because people are creating more die, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. Rel- you know, to relative to their, like, or, you know, backed by their, backed by their other assets when prices are going up. Right. Uh, and so more die gets put into circulation in times when there is demand to create a, a loan. Okay. Got it. Uh, and then more, uh, and then, you know, die, like say the prices are dropping, you're going to go ahead and close out your loan. Right. So that you don't get liquidated. Uh, and so like when prices are falling, die supply decreases. Mm-hmm. Um, and so why is that? Or why, why can this be an issue or what, what kind of problems can that lead to? Uh, well, like, um, in like times when crypto prices like are volatile, uh-huh. like say to the downside, right? Yeah. Um, Say we're living in a world where, like, I use dye as my, like, primary form of currency. Uh-huh. And I want to buy a cup of coffee with it because yeah. I do it every day. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, 
maybe behind the scenes I'm using a smartphone app that goes into the open market and buys some dye, uh-huh. right? And uh, and then sends it to the uh, sends it to the coffee shop. Okay. Uh, the you know if the if the price of like Ethereum drops, right? Um, which has nothing to do with my demand for coffee. Uh-huh. Uh But if the price of Ethereum drops, then people are going to want to buy back their dye. Sure. To close out these loans. Okay. Right? And so um, I may have to pay a higher price for my cup of coffee just because the money supply doesn't equal the, like, short-term money demand. I see. So the price or the stability of the actual die can get out of whack. Yeah, it it can. Um, I see. And so, you know, in a typical, like currency right uh you have enough of it free-flowing that like you never feel that right Mm. uh but in um you know even in dai's case right like it's not big enough yet Mm. right there just isn't enough demand out there for people to to mint more dai uh to the point where dai has like become like a large stable coin okay like usdc and usdt you can always mint them like one-to-one for the dollar Right. Uh, and in Dai, you kind of can now, too. Uh, but like, you know, any kind of like lending driven stablecoin mm-hmm. is going to face this core issue where like the supply can only ever be equal to the underlying demand for loans. Yeah. And it can always only be equal to half of the underlying collateral. Yeah. A hundred percent. Which is an issue. I think there's always going to be a place for something like that, but I think it's an issue for it to scale to something as large as USDC or USDT or even UST, which we're going to get into. I mean, do you think that's a pretty good spot to transition into kind of how Luna works instead uh, of this lending base? So we sort of covered like the centralized ones and the issues there. And then we've covered sort of the lending based ones Mm -hmm. and like, you know, shout out to MakerDAO or MakerDAO. OG in the space, right? Mm-hmm. Like, and this was a pretty like cool experimental concept when it when it first came out. And they're oh, absolutely they're known to be like one of the more decentralized DAOs, mm-hmm. uh, and so their governance model has some upsides and downsides. But like, it it is like they really took a step in an experimental direction. Um, and and die for a while was like the the only option, right, for decentralized stablecoins. Yeah, definitely. I would yeah. say in the history of crypto, DAI is definitely one of the more important projects and experiments that's uh, that's happened. Yeah, hundred um, yeah. percent. So, uh, so why shout don't, out. Why don't yes, quick shout <laughs> out. Yeah, big, big fan, big fan of the of the the history there. Yeah. Um, so okay, we we spent a good amount of time on the history. Let's get. Let's go deep, baby. Let's dive um, in. Let's dive in. Grab okay, your, so grab your scuba tank. <laughs> let's go deep. Oh, we're going deep. All right. So, Luna, what is Terra's approach to their stablecoin? Let's start with that. So, we'll kind of build from there, right? We'll talk about UST. UST is their main product. Uh, they have a couple other stablecoins, um, KRT, which represents the Korean yuan. Uh, one-to-one and they have the EUT which represents the euro one-to-one but the mechanics of the stable coins are all the same and UST is overwhelmingly the largest so we'll talk about that and then from there we'll build outwards I would say onto how the tech works underneath everything 
And then we'll get into the main portion of the podcast, which is bullish or bearish. <laughs> so let's start with UST. So we talked about the centralized stable coins. This is not that. We talked about the decentralized stable coins and specifically the lending-based decentralized stable coins. This is not that. So what is Terra and what is Luna, the native token of the Terra blockchain? Yeah, so uh, so you touched on you, you, your terminology is correct. So Terra itself is the blockchain, right? Yes. Um, and Luna is like the native token. Yes. Uh, and and so, Terra can be thought of as a layer one blockchain. Layer one blockchain, proof of stake. It's built on the Cosmos SDK, but I want to say it, it doesn't actually integrate with Cosmos like uh, IBC yet. Or it just, it like just minor, got IBC enabled a few months ago. Ah, nice. Um, yeah. so, <laughs> let's see how much it matters. <laughs> yeah, I would say it's pretty irrelevant. Yeah. Um, um, UST is available on many other blockchains as well like uh, it's on it's on ethereum it's on avalanche solana it's on solana my favorite chain <laughs> yeah exactly uh so yeah like um uh there there's a couple of like key things i guess to know about the terra blockchain um but they but they really tie into the core like product as you said which is this stablecoin ust okay um so UST is a really interesting one. Basically, the way it works is, in a given block, uh, well, so overall, the supply of Luna is is variable. Okay. And this is the, the native asset, right? So it's the yes. one that's used for staking, it's used to pay gas fees, uh, it, it's like, it's the native asset. Yes. It, um, it can be thought of the same way you think of ETH, AVAX, yeah. SOL, any of these tokens that are the native tokens for the layer one blockchain, Luna is that. Bitcoin even. <laughs> Bitcoin even. Um, yeah. So, uh, so the way that um, the way that, that it, like new UST comes into existence is at any point in time, anybody can say, "Hey, I want to mint one UST in exchange for one dollars worth of Luna." Okay. So, uh, and then, and then vice versa at any point in time, you can burn one UST and receive $1 worth of Luna. Gotcha. So really Luna is sort of serving as this like, uh, liquidity like provision to, to sort of like enable the stability of UST at a one-to-one -one rate with the dollar. Gotcha. So, so the supply of both in fact is variable correct ust and luna yeah got it yeah and in theory they should be equal in dollar terms is that correct um like in terms of market cap yes you mean? uh i guess not necessarily because the price of luna can go yeah lower based on the market right and staking and, yeah, and that yeah, sort yeah. of thing. okay okay so, um, so that's not necessarily true but to mint you have to have equivalent amounts yeah so you can you can mint a uh, one one ust in a, and by by burning one dollars worth of luna mm -hmm. and you can get you can you know mint one dollars worth of luna by burning one ust mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Uh, and that burn mechanism is actually so uh, part of it gets burned part of it goes to the community fund uh, it's complicated and it's changed throughout the history. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. A couple of times, I think. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, so, uh, 
like let's take a world where it's just like a one-to-one burn because for i think for most of the run-up in the ust supply i think it was one-to-one since columbus 5 in like uh october uh like that upgrade to the terra blockchain uh but but it is parameterized it doesn't all have to be burned some of it can go to the community fund some of it can go to the miners uh or the stakers Mm. uh, as a staking reward uh but like for simplicity's sake it, let's, the key uh, mechanism that everybody knows about is the burn mechanism the yeah. luna burn mechanism is uh kind of a core concept of how this protocol works yeah so the idea is um you can create this synthetic asset uh the ust uh by burning one dollar's worth of luna uh and so uh like there's kind of a question here which is like how how does this the blockchain know what how much luna is worth one dollar yeah exactly uh and so this is where the design of the like protocol sort of takes a takes a turn from all the other layer ones okay um so the like validators or miners you know like stakers uh, yeah the the validators uh every block will uh they're incentivized to like propose a price a fair price like an oracle price gotcha for luna in us dollars okay so at the start of the block you'll have a bunch of transactions which is like a bunch of miners saying i think luna is this much in dollars i think Mm. luna is that much in dollars i think luna is this much in dollars and that's part of every single block yeah every single block and then every like few blocks uh actually the validators get rewarded if the prices that they report are within one standard deviation of all the other validators. Interesting. Yeah. So it incentivizes and they get slashed if it's not. Oh, wow. So they're incentivized that, to get about like the median price effectively. Yeah. Like and is that for every single validator where they get the, either the reward or the slashing? I, I believe they all, so they can all vote. Um, and this is like a source of free money if you're like within like the the certain bounds um and plus or minus one standard deviation if it's normally distributed it should be you know 60 percent of the time right uh and so so, and so on average you would say yeah it pays to it pays to submit an oracle number here. yeah gotcha. it pays to submit a price prediction if you so have, you're basically incentivized to do so you're incentivized to do so exactly uh it's free money basically you know 60 percent of the time you'll be you'll be close to the to the mean yeah um and what this is really meant to do is to like penalize like anybody from fucking with it right yeah like yeah, if yeah. everybody said oh luna's worth 10 billion dollars right then you'd say oh well i only need a little tiny bit to mint ust and, it, and the peg would would not hold it wouldn't actually be worth one us dollar right um and so uh so so the whole idea here is to like encourage high quality price oracles um as a native part of the blockchain. Okay. And as a side note, they can really build this core functionality into the chain because they are built on Cosmos and they have this custom blockchain that they've built that's not just a copy paste of uh, something else, right? Like they basically built this native blockchain. It's not just an application on top of Ethereum or something like that. Yeah, exactly. So by serving as layer one, you can change the consensus protocol mm-hmm. to make it so that and so like, for example, uh, in the past, there were issues where like, in times of like high network congestion, mm-hmm. like, uh, uh, validators were having trouble getting their like, Oracle prices into the block. 
and so they changed the protocol a little bit to make it so that like now like these things get in first. Oh, interesting. That's cool. Yeah. Uh, and so they you can you know like if it's your blockchain you can do whatever you want with it. Yeah. But it didn't have to be built on Cosmos. They could have done this on Avalanche. They could have done this on uh, Substrate. You know. Like, Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. I guess the point just being that they have built their own blockchain that's yeah. custom that allows for all these things to happen. Yeah. It's much better for this to be a blockchain rather than an app on yes. another blockchain for that reason, mm-hmm. right? Uh, because, uh, like oracles are like a point of potential, like weakness in, you know, there's a little bit of trust anytime you take data from off chain and put it on chain. Mm -hmm. Uh, and so like they can build out this whole incentive process to, to incentivize high quality Oracle data to come in and keep it within the ecosystem. So the validators themselves are incentivized to keep the network strong as well. Yeah. So does that mean they have no reliance on Chainlink at all? Uh, I mean, today, no. Oh, wow. Okay. Unless Chainlink runs a validator. I'm not, I'm not sure. Right, right. Uh, but, but I mean, yeah. there's no kind of dependence on a Chainlink Oracle. No, no. It's all native. Okay, um, very cool. Which, uh, which is kind of an interesting thing, right? Because it enables you know, not just the US dollar, right? But you could quote Luna against like the Korean won. Mm. And so you have KRT. Yes. Uh, you can quote it against the Euro. You have EUT, yes. right? Um, you can quote it against Tesla and you have M Tesla, which is right. like mirror, which is like a synthetic, like a sort of uh, like broad synthetic. Uh, right. So mirror is an application built on Terra that kind of takes the same idea of having a synthetic whereas you have ust a synthetic dollar on uh terra itself mirror lets you make these synthetic assets for something like tesla stock like m tesla yeah uh and it takes advantage of the same like oracle you know provision mechanism I see. Very cool. So that's where the tech is sort of different, I would say. Like okay. That, that's sort of the, the primary thing. Okay. Um, so, so you have these oracles, right? So that was kind of the second step, right? So you have this oracle that tells you the price of Luna. That's how you know that you're going to be burning $1 of Luna. Yeah. If so you want to mint the let's new Let's say I want to mint one UST. I would submit a transaction that says here's here's luna mm-hmm. here's some luna right uh i want you to burn the current blocks uh rate on on of so you know in the current block at the start you have all the oracles they're weighing in on like what they think the price of luna is yeah and based on that i want you to burn one dollars worth of luna and mint me one ust and yes. return, return me the rest of the luna right um is sort of like how how that that transaction would work okay and to point out here to do any of this you have to first have luna yes right so buying luna is the first step in doing any of this yes exactly and interacting with the protocol in any way yeah right so this the more demand there is for ust the more demand there is for luna yeah so like um so let's think through maybe just for a second like how does the price stability factor into this yes like what guarantees that it actually is a dollar yes right um, and so, uh, the, the whole idea is that like, let's say I take that UST 
and I trade it for some other token, right? Right. Um, so you've minted some, one UST. Yeah. And now you go trade it on wherever. For a synthetic share of Tesla. Yeah. Or $1 worth of Tesla, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so there's an exchange there, right? Where like my UST, like the value can fluctuate on that exchange, right? So maybe at a certain point in time, let's say that UST is now worth $1 and one cent. And how would that happen exactly? Uh, just like, uh, people have demand for it, right? Or whatever, right? Or somebody, somebody's trying to sell other assets, right? Uh, and so like, let's say that, um, you know, Tesla stock goes down. Yeah. Let's say that on this exchange, the only two assets are Tesla stock and, sure. and UST. Yeah. So I've like, so the current right now is $1.01 worth of Tesla stock to one UST. Right. Or like forgetting Tesla stock, like say USDC, right? Mm-hmm. If, mm-hmm. if it's trading at one UST for 1.01 USDC, USDC, it's kind of like backed by a dollar. And so you would say, oh, okay, well, actually, then the fair market value of of UST is now a dollar and one. Here's what I can do. I can buy Luna in the open market. For a dollar. For a dollar. I can borrow. Yeah. So if I have a dollar or say I have a USDC, right, sitting in my Coinbase account. Yes. uh, Or my FTX account, Mm -hmm. right? Uh, I buy one dollar's worth of Luna. I burn it in order to get one UST. Mm-hmm. I sell that and I get a little bit more. I get like 1.01 USDC. Yes. So I started with one USDC mm-hmm. and it takes me to 1.01. Yes. And I keep repeating it. Yep. Me- meanwhile, the supply of UST is growing, right? Mm-hmm. And the supply of Luna is shrinking. Every mm. time I repeat this cycle, I buy $1 worth of Luna. I burn it. So it goes down, the market cap goes down, or the supply goes down by that much Luna. Yes. Right? Um, and then I mint one UST. Yeah. So the market cap or like the total, you know, circulating supply of uh-huh. UST is growing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, and the circulating supply of Luna is shrinking. Because it keeps getting burned. Yeah, exactly. Uh, and then my, my USDC balance keeps going up. Yes. Until I can't anymore. Okay. So this is the arbitrage opportunity that exists, right? Gotcha. Uh, is like if, you know, if or let's say Luna's trading a little bit cheaper um on one exchange that i see relative to like the market overall luna or ust luna like yeah uh i can buy some luna with uh whatever right um i can burn it mint ust take it back to my exchange buy more luna Mm -hmm. mint more ust right um okay and and this is prevented by what just market makers coming in and being like we'll stabilize the price if this happens well so it creates an arbitrage opportunity which is desired right it creates and that's when the market makers will come in yeah the market makers or whoever will come in and say okay like i see an arbitrage opportunity lather rinse repeat right until it's no longer profitable and when is it no longer going to be profitable it's when ust trades for exactly a dollar i see okay so so as soon as UST trades for more than a dollar, there's an incentive to mint more of it because you can get UST for more buy, than a dollar. Yeah, you, and you can just sell it for more than for a more, dollar. Yeah, you can sell it for more than a dollar. I you, see. You can create it for one dollar yeah. worth of Luna, 
like and by vice versa when it's it. below a dollar yeah when it's below a dollar you'll you'll buy it up on the open market yeah. and mint a dollar's worth of luna mm. and then sell it and buy buy more right okay um, so the arbitrage like opportunity here creates like the stability mechanism okay um the the whole idea is that when the price gets out of whack the fact that you can always trade ust for one dollars one ust for one dollars worth of luna um means that there will either like means that like anytime the price of ust changes materially from that Mm -hmm. there's an arbitrage opportunity there and uh people will uh people will take advantage of it pushing the price of ust back to its one dollar target now matt if i was a detractor of luna and not a lunatic like the lunatic that i am i could say well the value of luna is uh really just speculative it seems like the value of luna is coming from I don't know, the market, it's just, you know, it, it could really fluctuate. What's to say that the value of $1 worth of Luna doesn't go down by like 90% in one day, like what happened with Jewel, my beloved. <laughs> and can we this throws the, everything off. Can we walk through the mechanics here of sure. like how that happens? So, um, like, yeah, just like I've heard this argument a bunch and I really struggle to like, uh, I'm a natural skeptic, right? Mm-hmm. And I struggle to like come to the conclusion that like this is a risk. Mm-hmm. So I would I would love to walk through like the logic here and like play out like a bad scenario. Yes. So in general, right? You were saying that as the price of UST goes lower, let's say the price of UST is ninety nine cents, right? You are then incentivized to sell your UST or not even sell it. Basically, what is the mechanism? Burning it, right? And getting $1 worth of Luna. And getting $1 worth of Luna in exchange, right? Now, let's say you're in a situation where people are not... Desiring the Luna token itself, right? People are immediately selling the Luna token, and the price of Luna is also going down at the same time that UST is at UST is below the one dollar, right? Okay. So step by step here. Mm-hmm. Uh, I as like the arbitrager, right? Mm-hmm. I come in. I buy one UST for 99 cents. Mm-hmm. Sweet deal. Mm-hmm. I burn it and get a dollar's worth of Luna. Mm-hmm. And then I sell it. Yes. For a dollar. Yes. For one USDC, let's say. For right? one USDC, let's say. Yeah. I come back and I repeat that process, right? I buy 99 cents worth of UST. If on that's the still open market. On the open market. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Sweet deal again, mm-hmm. right? Uh, mm-hmm. And uh, and then I sell it, or I, I burn it, and I get a dollar's worth of Luna, mm-hmm. which now might be more Luna than the last time I did it. Because Luna's it's trading at a lower down. price, yes. Yeah. But it's still a dollar. It's still a dollar's worth of Luna. It's still one USDC's worth of Luna. Yeah. So I still get a USDC out for every 99 cents yes. of USDC I put right. in. Right, right. 
So but the issue the, here the demand for UST, right? Like I, I'm decreasing the supply of UST and I'm buying it and that crosses the spread and, and pushes the price up exactly. to, to, to that dollar target. Exactly. So the risk, I don't know. Are you pushing the price up or are uh, you just decreasing the supply? If it's like a, if it's like an XYK model, I'm doing mm-hmm. both, right? If it's like Uniswap style, like, you know, the price is determined by how much of how much UST is in the pool or whatever. But yeah, I'm decreasing the supply by by burning. Yeah. But then I'm also like, like any trade, right? Like I'm either crossing the spread on like Coinbase or FTX, uh, which like pushes up the the last price at least, mm-hmm. right? Um, sure. I guess the the question here is more between the UST and the Luna, not as much the UST and like exchanging it for the other stablecoin. Right. Right. So it's like you keep doing that, right? And let's say everybody wants to keep doing that at the exact same time, yeah. where the there's so much there's still sell pressure on or there's burn pressure on UST and there's sell pressure on Luna. Okay. Right. Where the price of Luna basically just goes crashing down. Right. So when I going back to my ninety nine cents example, mm-hmm. I have ninety nine cents of USDC. I buy one UST for that and then I burn it and get one USDC's worth of Luna but in order to get that one USDC I have to sell mm-hmm. you have right? to sell so, Luna so I'm moving them, I'm you know pushing the price down yeah. there uh, so I'm pushing the price of UST up and the price of Luna down but then well, how are you pushing on, the price of UST up by, by buying the same way I'm pushing the price of Luna down by selling oh okay sure sure okay yeah, uh, yeah. Uh, so you think about this on my second run through the on my second cycle, on my yeah. second lap, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I get so I, I take my nine. So first round, I have ninety nine cents of USDC. That gets me one UST. Yeah, which gets me one USDC's worth of Luna or one dollars worth of Luna. Sell sure. that for one USDC. So I started with ninety nine cents. I now yeah, have yeah, one. Yeah, yeah, sure, sure. Right. We're arbitraging one cent here. Yeah. Uh, so on that round through, maybe I got I, I don't know five way of Luna or whatever. Mm-hmm. Like, let's let's make let's let's live in a fantasy world here where Luna's trading at a dollar. Yeah, yeah. I yeah. would get one Luna there. Okay. Right. Um, on that first lap, then I do it again. I buy some UST, uh, still at ninety nine cents. Right. Uh. Then I burn it, I get how much Luna now? Like, let's say the market's crashing, right? Luna's no longer worth a dollar. Now it's worth 50 cents. Mm-hmm. I get two Luna now. Mm-hmm. I sell that for one USDC. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and so the arbitrage opportunity is still there. Um, and like, does it push down the price of Luna? Yeah. Uh, does so it stabilize still- UST at $1? Yes. Until Luna goes to zero. <laughs> uh, like that's that's the point of the debt spiral, right? Well, if is this it, keeps is it happening, mechanically even possible for there to still be UST if Luna's at zero. That's the point, right? That's the point. Is like it it goes to zero and the whole thing collapses. Um. Okay. Wait. I'm I'm trying to think through like. I can no longer sell my Luna, let's say. Yeah. Then I'm no longer going to buy UST. 
as the arbitrageur, right? Uh, because I'm, I'm no longer going to buy it and burn it and collect the Luna and sell it. I can't, I can't sell it anymore. So I'm, so I'm, I'm stuck, right? So I'm, I'm not going to keep buying UST. Right. Also, at that point, like, but the... but I can mint it, right? If 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 how Luna's, can you mint it? If Luna's truly worth zero, zero is a weird number. Mm-hmm. I can buy as much as I want at zero. I don't know. So okay, right. like, like I, I don't think you can at yeah, that point, right? Yeah, like no, I think the whole right. thing is yeah, like yeah. Uh, right. So the whole point, the whole point being here is that this stablecoin is based off its native token, which gets its value from the market. Right. So the the point that these people make about the debt spiral is that if the market starts valuing the native token at zero, which is backed by nothing, right, that's when it all collapses. That is the point of all these people, because the minting happens from Luna having any value at all. Right. Like you have to believe that one dollar of Luna will be one dollar of luna at the end of the day if the one dollar of luna is zero dollars of luna so here's my point right one dollar of luna doesn't have to be one dollar of luna at the end of the day it just has to be one dollar of luna in the next block in the next trade yeah sure until it's worth zero dollars of luna right like that's the whole idea of like it spiraling out right so but okay but like here's here's the thing right um ust right if it's if it's at ninety nine cents, mm-hmm. eventually it's no longer going to be profitable for me to keep buying it and burning it to to mint more Luna and sell that in the mm-hmm. open market. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Eventually, we're going to hit one dollar. And I'm so we to... should go back into some history. So around uh, this time last year, in fact, uh, UST did lose its peg. It right. went to about eighty six cents. Uh, during the May crash, when all crypto went to hell. Um, I remember that. Yeah. And so, some like shit like that is absolutely possible. Um, well, I uh, think the risk has been abs- way, way, way uh, lessened, and it's, it's more or less been mitigated at this point with how much liquidity is in the protocol and how many big players are doing exactly what you're talking about and kind there, of. Are, there are protocol improvements that were made after that too yeah yeah, yeah uh, for sure but yeah. like uh but before we jump into that just like like fundamentally mm-hmm. did it go to 86 cents first or did luna crash first uh that is a good question i actually don't know uh and then the the other question would be something like uh well maybe, maybe it's actually irrelevant the first one um what happened? Uh, what? How, yeah, how did I it mean, play out? Luna, yeah, like Luna tanked, right? It went from gosh, what, where, what was its high before this? I, I know it bottomed at like three dollars. Uh, it didn't go that low. Um, it didn't. I thought it was like three. Uh, let's, let's see. I'm seeing. Yeah, maybe you're right. It's like yeah, four eighteen is the lowest I see it. So, um, and I mean, that was a massive drawdown, right? Like, what, yeah, oh, absolutely. Know? Yeah, it was, um, if you look at where it was before that, it was at like 20 bucks. So from 20 to four. Yeah. Um, that's huge, right? That's a huge yeah, absolutely. drawdown. Yeah. Why would it make sense for UST to, uh, like trade down there? Uh, you know, I don't know. 
I don't, I don't know either. Like, I don't have, like, it, it, it could be psychological. It just, could just be, like, people wanting to exit the ecosystem and so yeah. they, they swap their USDT or their UST for USDT or USDC. Yeah, 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 for uh, sure. But, but like... Uh, so, I mean, that's kind of the... That's what people have been saying about this debt spiral thing, right? And I'm not trying to FUD. I, I believe in Luna. But I'm just saying, like, that is the issue here is, like, when UST let's say it loses its peg and at the same time luna is going down in price that is when these things could uh kind of fall because like there's no other kind of backing uh for the stable coin yeah which well, has now um, changed as of the last couple of weeks but we'll yeah. get into that shortly i guess if i think about it from the other end right of of someone that like like Eventually, I'm going to push UST back to a dollar, right? Like, eventually, the market makers will, will do that as long as Luna's above zero, right? Okay. Um, just because there's an incentive to do so. Yes, yes. Uh, and so, UST, once it hits a dollar, or even, like, goes above a dollar, let's like, like anytime that it's above a dollar, you have the inverse, right? Which is, like, you're going to provide buying pressure. Mm-hmm in the open market on yeah. Luna. And so I, I guess the idea is that like, if Luna's worth anything above zero, right? Um, there's always going to be some arbitrage opportunity to be had here by selling, um, by either doing what I was doing to push the price of UST up, or like if the price of UST goes above a dollar, um, then there's an opportunity to be had by like buying it up in the open market and going the other way, minting UST. Yeah, oh, absolutely. I mean, uh, like, ba- essentially what we're talking about here is a run on the bank, right? If everybody decides to exit and loses faith at the exact same time, essentially, that's when this thing fails. When the price of Luna basically goes to zero and UST is not redeemable for any other stablecoin one-to-one, that's kind of when the whole system falls apart. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, um, and and but, but I, I don't, I don't find be, that to be likely. It would have to be exactly zero. Basically. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Like the the only way the system falls apart is if Luna is trading at zero dollars. Yeah. If Luna has any value in the open market, even if it's one penny, right? It's it, you can trade it one to one for one dollars worth of Luna for one UST, and that should uh, provide the kind of arbitrage that you're talking about to stabilize the stable coin yeah if it goes to zero then the whole thing falls apart right like that's essentially the truth with any project but uh with (laughs) yeah like uh like why why run a bitcoin miner if bitcoin goes to zero right like you're gonna turn it off well people used to run bitcoin miners when it was trading at zero yeah when it had no value yeah uh um like there can be other there can be other reasons i guess the closer parallel is something like if uh, if Bitcoin transaction volume goes to zero, and so you're no longer like say, you know, pa- like once all the Bitcoin's been distributed and there's no block reward, and if transactions go to zero, then there's a risk that the whole thing falls apart, right? Yeah, there uh, is that risk. Yeah, for sure. So I would say there's if anything goes to exactly zero. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's a huge um, edge case. Like exactly I would zero say... only gets introduced as a price in like the in bugs basically so the and that to be honest we're working with smart contracts so that is that, that is yeah. a risk here as well i mean that happened but, with like iron finance yes exactly was it iron bank i forget uh, uh iron finance iron finance and it's a similar it was a similar setup they had their native token uh 
etc like you could trade it you mm-hmm. know for one dollars worth of their stable coin uh and uh and the issue was that it went to zero and they didn't code the smart contract correctly mm-hmm. which was supposed to be like asserting that like the only valid oracle price had to be above zero mm-hmm. great greater than zero mm-hmm. but they made it greater than or equal to and so it was able to hit zero and as a result the entire thing fell unbelievable right? uh, bug yeah um but like uh zero is a is a mistake number right like for like at risk of sounding completely non-technical here what happens when something goes to zero like every derivatives contract is suddenly trying to divide by zero mm-hmm. right uh mm-hmm. like you like things break when you hit exactly zero um that's sort of my uh my like bigger stance on this is that like like would would you ever let the price of luna hit zero like if the price of luna truly hit 0.0000001 dollar or you know take that decimal point as far out as you want wouldn't you just buy the whole thing somebody would I mean, I'd buy the whole thing just for just for lulls, right? Yeah, uh, yeah. But no, uh, yeah, you're right. I mean, I so my whole thing with that was just to provide a counter argument. Yeah, and okay, talk yeah. about why people are discussing this debt spiral so much. I feel like we had to touch on it. Yeah, I mean, that was actually frankly super helpful because I hadn't thought about the edge case here where where it does hit exactly zero. Um, um and the and we we do this with everything, right? You mentioned Bitcoin, but everything is a social consensus. It has, it comes down to us agreeing that this thing does have value and us all agreeing that Luna does have value. Luna was sitting, if you go back to 2019, Luna was sitting at three bucks, two bucks, one dollar, 20 cents. It was sitting here for years and years and years and nobody was really, you know, the, the price represents how much people believe that this thing can pull off what it's trying to pull off which was create this new stablecoin out of thin air using a token that has no value to start, but people start ascribing it value because they find the underlying technology valuable. That's exactly what happened with Luna, and it started ripping. It went to $20 in about a year ago, in April of last year, and then people started losing faith, so it went down to $4, and now people are picking faith back up again, so it's trading at $100. So... um, can we talk maybe, you know, now that I feel like we've really gone into the mechanics. Here sure. Yeah. And like, I think we've done it justice, actually. Yeah. Um, why don't we talk a little bit about like the, you know, what's driving the current, like se- the recent set of like price increases, what's driving UST supply to grow? Yes. Uh, like uh, break, break it down for me. Like, like what happened between then and now that has driven Luna's price to upwards of $100? All I need is five words, dude. Do Quan saved the market. <laughs> uh, so what happened was there's a change in Luna. Oh, should we talk about Anchor first? Oh man, you're gonna set me up like that and then go back to fucking Anchor. <laughs> I mean, what's, yeah, yeah, sure. what's truly driving demand here? Uh, Do Quan, dude. <laughs> Do Quan saved the market. No, okay, let's talk about Anchor and Mirror, and then we'll go into their recent news, and then talk about uh, bullish or bearish. Yeah. Um, uh, let's, so let's touch on Mirror first because it's less relevant. Um, okay. Yeah. Uh, like. 
uh, mirror uh, we talked about a little bit it's like a protocol for like issuing synthetic assets it it builds on this whole idea that like the the blocks in the Terra blockchain like contain these oracle transactions right mm-hmm. uh, and so you know these like special kinds of transactions that allow you to represent any uh, kind of asset really like a pri- yeah uh, and, it's, and it's price it, yeah it's really the the core innovation here is that like the price feed is part of the consensus mechanism mm. and there are incentives to provide valid accurate price feeds so uh, mirror basically like mirrors real world assets like stocks yeah exactly uh so um and it's not that relevant you mentioned because the trading volumes are very low they're super thin there was like an sec like basically cease and desist i don't know if you yeah this is this. a really uh, famous uh instance right at consensus last year yeah so Do Kwon, for anybody that doesn't know, Do Kwon, one of the founders, um, got served by the SEC as he was going on stage at this conference to give his uh, roundtable or talk or panel talk or whatever it was. And the founder of the conference, Ryan Selkis, got all angry about this, started tweeting a bunch of stuff about this, and Do Kwon then decided to sue the SEC. So that's still ongoing. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> but like as a result, like mirror volumes. Are yeah, they're very thin. low. Yeah. Also, the stock market's like not going up as much anymore. And so volumes there are going to be thin too. Mm-hmm. Um, so uh, now what about Anchor? Anchor is sort of, I would say, the, uh, the reason uh, people want to make UST, yes. right? Uh, it, it is the core engine of growth for this entire ecosystem, really. Yes. Uh, and so uh, Anchor is like a borrow lend market. It's mm-hmm. like a money market, similar to something like a, uh, like a curve or, a, or not a curve, like a compound, mm-hmm. effectively, or an Ave, right? Uh, mm-hmm. So you have two sides here. You have like depositors and borrowers. Okay. Um, and... Uh, and so the, the 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 weird thing about this protocol, which like, you know, couldn't really happen. I, I can't see it happening in any like part of like the tradfi world. Okay, is that the rate the the borrow rate is below the uh, the deposit like yield. Wow. So um, yeah. Uh, so like uh, today, if you go on and you supply UST to Anchor Protocol, uh-huh. you get a nice like nineteen, nineteen and a half percent APY. Yeah. Uh, and then uh, if you want to borrow UST uh, against some asset, your interest rate is only like uh, like like twelve or fourteen percent. Wow. Uh, I think it's 12 APR, which is, I think, like a 14 APY with continuous compounding, but but I'm not sure. Okay. Uh, so how is this not just an absolute steal of a trade to just keep borrowing assets and loaning them out for a higher rate than you are borrowing them for? Uh, it's a great trade. <laughs> yeah, okay. Uh, <laughs> th- thus the... Well, I think you can't use, like, the uh, deposited assets as collateral again yeah, or yeah, whatever. Right. Uh uh, or well, I think you have to forego the like the interest rate, the like nineteen percent, if you start borrowing, mm. right? Um, but basically, this whole thing is like they're incentivizing depositors. Yes. They're, and how are they doing that? Well, there's two sources of yield for, or three, really three sources of yield for the depositor, right? Okay. Um, 
So the first is uh, Anchor accepts interest-bearing assets. Yes. Similarly to something like Alchemix. Okay. Uh, so these are liquid staked assets generally. So, so something like staked ETH on Lido. Yeah, staked ETH, staked AVAX, okay. uh, staked Luna. Uh, I think they call it bonded Luna, mm-hmm. Luna. Um, mm-hmm. And uh, and so if you think about Luna, right, like the the stake reward is about seven percent a year. Okay. Right. So um, at the very least, if you deposit, you know, if you deposit that as like um, uh, collateral, right. The protocol should be collecting seven percent a year and giving it to someone, right? Yes. Uh, and so they, if you want to borrow, you borrow against your interest-bearing assets. Mm. Um, and if you want to lend, I think you can lend. I think I think you just lend UST. Gotcha. Uh, uh, so basically, there's that. It's like the staked reward, stake reward for like uh, these assets, right? Um, for, for interest-bearing assets. So that's, that's one source of yield. Okay. Uh, there's another source of yield, which is um, uh, the borrow rate, right? So, like, if I want to borrow UST right. against, against my interest-bearing, like, staked ETH, right, uh, mm-hmm. then I have to pay some interest on it, like mm. that, that, that 12% or whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, and then if... Uh, and then there's a third source, which is... Um, the uh the money printer i guess is what you would call it <laughs> um this is the the incentive program right yes the, the you know i would call it liquidity incentive but it's not really meant to provide liquidity it's it's meant to create an incentive to mint ust mm. um and so when you add it all up and then there's like weird tokenomics where like in in v2 they're actually like making the borrow rate even more attractive mm. uh, for like someone to to borrow and so like uh you you get this like shortfall right um because the like lia- the the you know current income doesn't match the current liabilities uh and so you know you're paying somebody 20 percent interest and then you're only yeah. collecting it's the opposite of a bank right yeah like, yeah yeah you know, so even like let's say with staking and with the borrow rate well now they're still like a little bit short right and then you have your own yeah and then like expenses wherever yeah yeah um Uh, there's a shortfall for sure and there's mismatch of like basis here so like you might collect seven percent annualized on you know luna right but like if the luna price goes down yeah like you don't have as much capacity to mint ust to pay the depositors yeah um so how is that shortfall met uh, with uh, with the the anchor reserve, of course. Oh, um, so there there's which is a reserve of a bunch of UST or Luna. Um, it is UST. Probably both. It's oh, UST. it's UST. Yeah. Okay. Uh, and uh, and there was an issue where, like, in March of this of 2022, right they started to run out of cash. Mm. And so this is like, if you think about like a crypto bear market, right? Where do people go? they go to bonds right and they go to like the highest yielding bond that they trust and this is a bond right this is Mm. 20 percent apy on a stable coin Ah. effectively this. oh you're saying the whole thing in general just like ust into anchor 20 percent is a bond in itself exactly yes okay they they sell their stocks and then they buy bonds Mm. right um and 20 percent uh is solid right and like ust is like not gonna lose its peg is basically the bet here uh and so if you're just sitting in stables this is a great time to sit in state this is the best 
place for you to sit. Yes. So during a bull market, the you know you may not actually sit in stables in something that yields you twenty percent. You remember DeFi summer? Of course. Uh, you had protocols paying out eighty percent APY, right? Yeah. But the the key bit there was they were paying it in their uh, in like they were paying native it in their token. native token. Yeah. Uh, and so as long as native tokens keep going up, you're chilling, right? Uh, and nobody sells, you know, and we're all happy. Uh, but as soon as people start selling, uh, like, you know, some of the VCs got in at, you know, two cents on the dollar or whatever, uh, and some of the whales got in at 50 cents on the dollar, they're going to sell anywhere above 50 cents, right? Uh, they're going to move their money around like mercenary capital, right? Uh, this is the issue with liquidity incentives today. Are you making an argument for Ohm? Well, um, my, my, uh, my argument here is to think of this as like, um, the, uh, to, to, is to sort of pitch why this is the most attractive place to put your stable coins right now yeah. relative to anywhere else where they're paying you out in native tokens because in a bear market, the native tokens go down. Yeah. They go down sooner. They go down faster. Uh, and it's not even worth like the gas fees, right. To like chase these things. Um, UST, on the other hand, you know you can always get $1 worth of Luna for that, which you can then turn around and sell for one USDC or whatever, what have you. Man, I'm just um, saying, we're saying all this, UST is growing in demand because of Anchor. Yeah. Anchor is growing in demand because they're offering these attractive rates. These attractive rates are sustainable because they're not sustainable and there's a shortfall and they're only sustained by the fact that there's this massive reserve of UST that Except they're now the, running out of. The reserve, And yeah. you're telling me all of this, and you still don't think it can go to zero. <laughs> of course not. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so I was right uh, so, the whole time. Do Kwan saved the market. Well, yeah. Uh, so... <laughs> So every time this thing gets close to zero, um, basically they get a cash infusion, right? From um, where? Like Terraform Labs? Terraform from Labs LFG. initially, right? Okay. So, um, so Terraform Labs, T TFL, uh, yeah. they, uh, they're like the, the sort of like stewards of the Terra blockchain, yeah. you could say. Mm -hmm. Um uh, or they they gener they like generally have been. Yeah, this is like um, a this is like an LLC, South Korea based company. Yeah, they have created the Terra blockchain. Yeah, uh, and so you know, if like uh, if uh, if Anchor falls short, right? Um, mm -hmm. And so like Anchor is uh, sitting right now at about sixteen out of the seventeen billion of, of UST minted are sitting yeah. on Anchor right now. Right, right. Uh, and you know they're running at a twenty percent like run rate, right? Okay. Um, so that's what, like three point two billion per year, right? Mm. Uh, in in UST yeah. that that they need to like provide somehow. Um, but Terraform Labs itself, on their balance sheet, do you know how much value they have? Primarily in, in Luna. It's basically all in Luna. $25 billion. $38.7 billion. Oh, my Lord. They could Lord. run this for over 10 years at current Luna prices, right? Um, and, like, remember that there is a dynamic where, like, as people want to mint UST, they burn Luna. Right, yeah. decreasing the liquid supply available on exchanges or, or what have you, um, and people need to get that Luna from somewhere. Yeah. Right. Uh, and so, the price of Luna here is helped by the fact that people want more UST. 
mm-hmm. and that's sort of what's like contributed to Luna's resilience uh, during the during you know the November to like March like bear market. But, Absolutely, um, it's really a bet on stable coins. Look, man, I've said the whole time two things: Luna is the greatest Ponzi of all time, mm-hmm. and they will make it if they reach escape velocity. Yeah. And I really think those two things might both be coming true as we speak. Well, so why don't we just talk very quickly about the mechanics of TFL versus LFG? Um, okay. And then we should get into the, the bigger picture here and like sure. our, our takes on it. Sure, sure. Um, we should also just touch on the, the Bitcoin reserves. Yeah, yeah. That, I think that's AVAX part of the reserves. LFG thing, right? Uh, um, yeah, sure. Okay. So, uh, so just quickly... Um, TFL just kind of keeps injecting cash into this thing. Mm-hmm. So, like in July of twenty one, they injected seventy million, uh, and then like in February, they injected four hundred fifty million, um, and they're basically burning Luna to, yes. to mint UST to put into this yield reserve. Yes, and uh, this is Luna from the, like the initial sale, basically. Yeah, a lot, the like a lot supply. of it. Yeah, a lot yeah. of it held by by Terraform Labs. Mm-hmm. Uh, so yeah, so that 450 million came just in time. We were eight days away from having a shortfall mm. in the in the protocol. Okay. Uh, would would have been not great. Yeah. Uh, following that, actually, um, there was a proposal like raised by I want to say like Polychain, yeah, Polychain, uh, and Arca, like two big investors, yep. to reduce the yield. And they said at least for like accounts that are holding more than 100,000 UST, we could we could drop them to like 15% or yeah, whatever. Yeah. Big backlash from the community. So it looks like basically the way this is going to work is they're going to keep incentivizing it. And so as part of the as part of the incentive program, uh, they created this thing called Luna Foundation Guard. Mm-hmm. Do you do you know much about this? LFG baby. LFG. Uh, yeah. Do you wanna do you wanna cover it? Oh, like, I, I, uh, I, no, no, no. Okay. I don't know that much about they're, it. No. They're like a a cross collaborative. Like they're meant to be like a more like neutral sort of like uh, sounding board. It's like, kind of like their version of a DAO, right? Yeah, I would call it closer to like a board of directors. Okay. Whereas like LFG or like TFL Terraform Labs is just kind of like the founding team, like startup, yeah, and then yeah. like um, Luna Foundation Guard is like more a board of directors. They have people from like Jump Trading and like other other institutions right that mm-hmm. are like that have like large stakes in the ecosystem yeah, yeah. big like some of their investors are in there um yeah so now the way it works is uh uh they uh basically terraform labs sent something like a billion dollars worth of or more i think they just made 1. a massive 1.8 billion donation of just, right? yeah donation uh when this thing got created of luna, of, of luna yeah um and then the Luna Foundation Guard gets to do with it as they as they see fit to like in the best interests of the community, mm-hmm. uh, and so now we've transitioned this model where they're just injecting cash into mm-hmm. the into the Anchor Protocol mm-hmm. to subsidize this twenty percent yield on stable coins so that um, demand for UST keeps going up. Yes, which in turn should pump the price of Luna, right? Because you burn it to create UST. Yeah. Um, so. Uh, what else has LFG been been getting themselves into? So LFG has announced openly that they want to acquire ten billion dollars worth of Bitcoin to add to their reserves. 
as to not make UST only redeemable for Luna, but to also be redeemable for Bitcoin. So in this, instead of burning Luna, you would deposit Bitcoin into the reserves and mint $1 worth of UST. Yeah, so you deposit a dollar worth of Bitcoin or like wrapped Bitcoin mm -hmm. or whatever uh, into this pool and you can use that to mint a uh, dollar's worth of UST. Yes, or one, instead one of $1, yeah, yeah, exactly, instead uh, of $1 worth of Luna. How does it work in the opposite direction? So in the opposite direction, you burn one UST and you get $1 worth of Bitcoin. Oh, so close. You get 99 cents worth oh, yeah, of yeah, Bitcoin. Oh, yeah, yeah, exactly. You get a discount. You get a discount. You, uh, no, no, no. You're, you're paying. Sorry, sorry. sorry you sorry, pay sorry. a premium. You yes. pay a premium, and that's how they incentivize uh the like bitcoin to stay as a, as a reserve right yeah yeah so they want to they want to grow their uh they want yeah, sheet, yeah, 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 uh, yeah is the idea um and so this is like crucial right um because it means that now in order for this death spiral situation to play out luna has to go to zero and Bitcoin has exactly, to go to zero. Exactly. Um, so, uh, like, it's kind of like if Luna's gonna fail, it's only happening if like all of crypto fails. Yeah, right? exactly. They um, want to. It's kind of interesting. Like, Luna is now becoming an SDR in and of itself, right? Like we talked about, there's a Luna SDR or there's a software-defined uh, radio. So, <laughs> uh, I forget actually what it stands for, but it's basically like a basket of currencies and commodities. That's used as like a global reserve asset, and there's like a, a Terra version of that, like SDRT or whatever. And Luna itself is kind of trying to become that, right? Like, so be before it was just uh, the seniorage note from Luna, the asset, the token. Now it's also got this Bitcoin reserve. As of today, they announced that they're doing a hundred million dollars. Uh, worth of Avox token that they're adding to their reserves as well. Nice so, pronunciation there. <laughs> uh, so it's kind of interesting. They're becoming kind of like a basket of currencies and commodities as their reserve and issuing a stable coin. So I would say that it's not that Luna is necessarily this, right? It's that UST is 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 building its balance sheet, right? Uh, like yeah. Luna itself is still just one asset that can fluctuate. Right, like, so I guess it's more Luna, Terra. Luna is not really redeemable for Bitcoin directly or AVAX directly, uh, but like, uh, it's, it's UST that, yeah, that yeah, is yeah. really getting sort of like um, the this additional like liquidity pool. Uh, this additional like minting and burning mechanism that uh, that enables the arbitrage that keeps this whole thing pegged at one dollar. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So so Luna, in fact, is almost taking a back seat here. Yeah, a little bit. Um, where it's it's not. It still sort of sits in that senior position of like, well, unless absolute market chaos is happening, and I mm -hmm. don't think I'm gonna be able to get uh to be able to sell this Luna. Mm -hmm. Um. Then I'll choose Luna because I get 100% of the value there versus 99% if yeah. I cash out my UST through Bitcoin. Mm -hmm. um, but uh, so it's still sort of senior in the in the structure, uh, but it's marginally taking a back seat, right? Some people are going to choose to mint UST by buying Bitcoin. Yes. Just depending on whatever your like uh, 
you know, like if markets are imperfect and you can get some Bitcoin cheaper, then you would do that or or maybe you just prefer it. Right. Um, so uh, so this is kind of part of a bigger thing, right? Which is like Luna's or UST is like their whole goal is basically stay alive long enough, right, to make it. To, to hit escape become too velocity, big to fail to become too big to fail and colonize right mm-hmm. like like very much just like colonize mm-hmm. so um if you're like buying an nft and uh you know fast forward 10 years in the future right uh like luna is already on all of these chains today uh but now they're also sort of building goodwill by acquiring the native assets from other blockchains Mm -hmm. right Mm -hmm. um they started with bitcoin because it was like it's the lingua franca right it's like gold right like everybody can agree that that this is like a non-political kind of like asset right like it's the one that most people can agree on except elizabeth warren uh elizabeth warren is i i would say probably the only person we're willing to have on our podcast without paying (laughs) um i would have her as oh man speak for yourself (laughs) she can come on for two minutes (laughs) the same as the rest of them them. uh but yeah like uh so they start with Bitcoin, right, to, like, make friends, right, mm-hmm. uh, as, like, an olive branch, right? I mean, I think um, it's a good move in general. Like, if yeah, I mean, it's the hardest. Bitcoin fails, all of crypto has a chance to fail. There's it's a the good chance money. it fails. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Uh, so, like, they fast forward 10 years, right, and now UST has become the dominant stablecoin, let's say, just because, like, it brought good thing, good attributes to begin with, right? Uh, it's decentralized. It's not like demand is not based on borrowing and lending necessarily, right? Uh, the way that like uh, Dai is, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, well, it's it's based on yeah, it's, it's based, based on, on anchor twenty percent but... whatever. <laughs> but you could see a world where like it becomes the go-to stablecoin. Yeah, and. Uh, in crypto, like liquidity is a massive variable here, right? Um, and so, if you want to buy an NFT in the NFT platform that you're on on Phantom, let's say even uh, doesn't support it, if it only supports UST or FTM, uh, and you have some UST, you would use that, right? Or you have USDC, you 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 might swap it for UST. Yeah, uh, like. You can see a world where, like, the, yeah, the, like, first mover, like, what do they call it? Nim- Nimby? Lindy? Lindy. Lindy. Yeah. <laughs> Lindy effect, like, takes over, right? And, like, all of a sudden, UST is everywhere. And it is just the one that everybody uses. The same way that, like, everybody, like, Google Chrome, I would say, is, like, the, is a similar spread of technology, right? So where do you think that threshold is? Because if you look at Lindy, it's die. Right. There are some drawbacks with how it works. Right. Where I guess I guess it, it's just a different mechanism. Right. You need well, more die, people die to want to have. There's just not enough. Yeah, exactly. Right? OK. Uh, yeah. So, OK, let's say that's different. So where do you think that threshold is? Like, where do you think we crossed the. the <sighs> too big to fail. Where do we hit too big to fail? Or is it already there? People have to prefer to transact in it, right? Um, and like, if you look at like a lot of stablecoin volumes, right, they're happening behind the scenes. Like, you're placing a trade on Uniswap 
between shitcoin A and shitcoin B. Mm-hmm. Not necessarily you. Mm-hmm. You would never do this. I would but, never do this. Uh, but you're, I'm in locked jewel. <laughs> like, I'm placing a trade on Uniswap between yeah. shitcoin A and shitcoin B. Mm-hmm. And in the middle, it goes through a USDC pool. Yeah, yeah, many right? times it uh, does. And, uh, and so by incentivizing the creation and like liquidity provision right of ust uh someday the slippage is going to be lower Mm -hmm. if i use the ust pool instead of the usdc pool Mm -hmm. that's the idea right right right. um and then once that happens uh like uh it's hard for me to imagine like like there's so many things that are built into the terra blockchain to make this even possible yeah that you can't really have the same thing with usdc you can't Definitely. have liquidity incentive whatever's right uh, yeah they're trying to build the whole ecosystem based off of this product yeah the ust product so you provide 20 percent, right uh like annualized like ust interest um and uh, and so like Doquan has called this like the the anchor rate right like that's where the word anchor comes from. This mm-hmm. is like the 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 risk the risk free rate mm-hmm. right um, in all of DeFi yes. right. Uh, and in exchange, you proliferate right across all of these different blockchains. Um, and like the the sheer proliferation, it like. It's so early in the stablecoin game mm-hmm. that it's still very much up for grabs. Yeah. Is it going to be USDT? Is it going to be USDC? Well, you'd rather not hold USDT because you don't know if it's backed. Yeah. Right. Marginally, you'd rather not hold USDC, not because you expect to get censored, but like you don't, you don't really, really know if that's backed. Mm-hmm. Uh, but if you mm. believe that the like, if you believe that Bitcoin's not going to fail. Mm-hmm then you could kind of say, well, I, you know, I know that this UST is redeemable for $1 worth of Bitcoin at any time. It's backed-ish. I think that's their plan is to get in with so many different ecosystems and say, we are now the main player, the main stable coin, and we're going to inject money into this ecosystem to try and fund development based off of our product and we're going to add your token to our reserves you know this guy hisaka tweeted out today the do kwan wars are starting you know, <laughs> whoever is nicest to this guy gets their token t wops next <laughs> i mean it's truly an incredible amount of liquidity that they have at hand to deploy here mm-hmm. and the thing is they can do it because it's a one one focused kind of mindset, right? They're trying to build one product and they can now diversify their reserves to do so. And then, you know, it, it's, it's, kind of, it's kind of proven itself out now, right? This, this greatest Ponzi of all time, as I keep calling it, it's proven itself out where it's like, let's take the same playbook, now move over to this ecosystem and then the next ecosystem and then the next ecosystem. And I think that brings us to our next segment, right? Like we've talked about how it works quite a bit. And I think we should both give our takes on how we see this playing out, right? Like this is, to me, this is like a grand experiment. It's probably the greatest experiment going in crypto right now. Bitcoin will always be number one, but 
and Ethereum, of course, but... Dude, there's a reason they call it what Bitcoin did. What the Bitcoin experiment is did. Over. <laughs> the experiment is over. Bitcoin has already won, baby. Yeah, they, they don't call it what Bitcoin's doing. <laughs> um, so how do you see this playing out, man? Like, do you think Terra, you know, goes to number three market cap, Luna become or like Luna goes to number three market cap, Terra becomes a, you know, the dominant stable coin... Um, how do you see this playing out? Do you see the debt spiral situation? Do you see like somebody taking this playbook and executing it better? Maybe it's Frax, maybe it's somebody else. Like, what's your take? Good fucking question. (laughs) I've been trying to figure this out for like weeks now, Mm -hmm. which is why I think this is part of the reason why this week is our Luna episode because it was sort of like a self-imposed deadline. Oh, there's just been so much, so much happening too with I mean, Luna yeah, every day today. Like, honestly, like maybe we're a Luna podcast now. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, we're a Jewel podcast. Luna, Luna number podcast. two, dude. Jewel literally could go to zero. Talk to let's talk desperate. Whoa, 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 whoa dude. <laughs> dude, Jewel thirty thousand daily active users. <laughs> um, look, okay. I would say that there are like two questions here. Right. Um, the first one is primarily centered around UST. Can it survive in a world where the anchor protocol is no longer paying out twenty percent interest? Yes. Do, and like, does it need to? Right. Uh, so will it ever need to? So news on that today. Near protocol just announced they're going to have their own stablecoin USDN, which is also going to pay about twenty percent. Okay. Announced today. Okay, cool. Um, well, near. I still, for the life of me, cannot figure out how to use that. Okay, forget near. I'm just saying, uh, like, let's like, say, let's say more you, people start running this it? playbook. I actually would. Yeah, like, let's say somebody goes, we'll offer twenty five percent. Who cares? Um, so the thing let's about, just play your scenario out, right? Yeah, like, anchor yeah. is no longer that viable. Um, well, I would say that like the the reason you the reason I would feel safe putting money into UST and putting it into Anchor and like you know if I were going into a coma for three years is that they, these guys are so well capitalized mm. right there's a lot of money that they could just you know like the you know there's billions like thirty eight billion right um, on the balance sheet of Terraform Labs too big to fail. 38 billion is a lot of fucking money, right? <laughs> like think about think about 38 billion dollars. The greatest Do Kwon quote I think is your size is not size. <laughs> and some guy was like I'm about to short Luna in size. He like, responds on Twitter he's like yes but your size is not size. I mean this guy is like Elon, right? He's like so good. he's fully crypto Elon because yeah, yeah. like you know it's like Elon sending pairs of, of short boxes of short shorts to the to the hedge funds that he knows are are shorting him. Oh man. Uh I mean singularly focused, right? Tweeting like like shit tweeting, shit posting all the time, yeah. right? Like but like someone on a mission way way better capitalized than a company like Tesla. Mm-hmm. Right? Uh and it's kind of a what what I've been trying to figure out, right, is 
what could go wrong? Yes. Right? Um, so those $38 billion, they're denominated in Luna right mm-hmm. now, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, and if the price of Luna halves, then they have half the runway, right? And if the price of Luna drops by three quarters, then they have a quarter of the runway. Mm-hmm. But, like, as long as they keep paying out 20%, isn't it kind of mechanically incentivized for Luna's price to go up at least a bit? It It is. It is, right? But this is the whole point of the death spiral, right? It has to start with one thing breaking and the thing starting to go down, right? Uh, yeah. When, I mean, look, I think let's say... I think we're well beyond that risk, right? So, sure, so sure. So if you look at, like, Jump, uh, they they issued, I think they called it Prop 90 mm-hmm. on, the, uh, on the Luna, like, governance board. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and this was meant to... This was, like, a reaction to, like, the last crash, right? was, like look, guys, we got to put a circuit breaker in, mm-hmm. effectively. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So sort of their their key takeaway was that the off-chain liquidity has to be higher than the on-chain liquidity in order for this Oracle thing to even work at all. Mm. Um, and so, you know, uh, you can read about that as, like, interesting, but, uh, but basically the way it works is uh, you pay a spread. You pay a slight spread after more than, I think it was, like, $10 million or $100 million worth of Luna is, like minted each day mm. uh then a ust no longer mints you a dollar's worth of luna it mints you like one percent or you know 99 cents worth of luna or 98 cents worth oh, of luna or whatever. Okay. it acts as a circuit breaker got it uh and you know and it, it goes exponentially uh after the first like 100 or 200 million uh happens uh that with that in place plus the um reserves in other like native tokens I think we're well past a world where UST, like, DPEGs, Luna goes to zero, UST goes to zero. So you're bullish. I'm bullish overall, but I don't know if that bullishness carries over into the Luna token itself. Okay. That's where, so, like, uh, like I think UST can hit escape velocity, where it becomes the, the go-to stablecoin, right? Um just because the execution is so good. They're mm-hmm. integrating with all the bridges. They're reaching out to all of the right protocols. They won the curve wars, Yeah, right? BD is amazing like, on this team. Yeah, I mean, it's it's next fucking level. Like, compare this to Avalanche, and Avalanche looks like they're, like, you know, like they're clueless, right? Mm-hmm. Like, they're put, running ads on the subway mm-hmm. when they could be winning the curve wars, mm-hmm. right? Like, uh, it's, it's absolutely absurd. So, um, so I don't... I like I I'm very bullish that like UST will ke- will keep its peg. Okay. No problem. Okay. Like I I will No death spiral. No death spiral whatsoever. God I bless. will I will put my money into UST. In fact, I'm I'm about to. I'm about to take all of my like fiat dollars actually and and put them into UST on Anchor. Okay. Uh so if uh, if I need a loan, I'll I'll hit you up. Nice if, 20%. Like, if it goes yeah. to zero. Yeah. Okay. Uh, uh but um I don't know how much of that accrues to the Luna token itself. Is that because of this new mechanism with yeah. Bitcoin and Avox and presumably they'll add more? Yeah. I mean, um, look, like, I don't ever think that, uh, like, the thing about tokenomics is that, like, a lot of, uh, like, protocols will buy back and burn stuff. Yes. Right? I don't actually think that moves the market substantially. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I really think that, like, people are playing on emotions right like you look at the eth burn right 
since the IP1559, has ETH gone up or down, right? It's not like a mechanical supply-demand curve here. Yeah, absolutely. The, it went up for are, a bit, and then it's, yeah. it's crabbing. The total amount of ETH in the market and ETH derivatives and all that, like, sort of render it kind of, like, meaningless when, like, the supply and demand change, unless they change a lot, lot right? So I don't think actually, like... Like, I think that the only thing that, um, the only argument you can make is that, like, to get Luna to mint the UST, you have to, like, buy the Luna. In order yeah, to exactly. It, I mean, I think there's there. a lot more dynamics that go into the price than just this fact that, that it's being burned. Right? Yeah, like, yeah. And so... Jerking uh, off watching the burns. Yeah. Just gotta throw that in there. Um, <laughs> yeah, um, I, I think that's fair. I think that the tokenomics have changed where it's not just this crazy, like, Luna is the one asset that's going to be reflective of ust but like maybe even more so that's why it's the asset that will be reflective of ust right because i don't think anything this was kind of my point i don't really think this like supply demand thing actually drives that much in the underlying movements of, of crypto i think it's still primarily very much an emotional game right it's it's a lot of it is about sentiment meta narratives right uh, Luna's going up, yes, because UST issuance is going up and because UST is getting used across all these different blockchains, but it's not going up because it's getting burned. It's getting up, going up because people associate the two. Yes, absolutely. I mean, I think... I, I don't disagree with you there. I, I think I agree with you in the sense that more demand for UST is represented by the Luna price going up. More in a narrative sense than a supply demand sense because the supply and demand yeah you're i mean you're absolutely right it's not changing that much in the span of three weeks where the price should double right like that's not why it's happening it's i mean and that's that's the core of all markets right um yeah they're, they're driven by emotion and narrative and i am also in the same boat i do think that we've reached a point where do you think it's already hit too big to fail I don't think it's reached too big to fail. I think it could fail, but it would t- it would take a black swan type event for it to fail at this point. If it didn't fail in the crazy price action of last year when it was much smaller, maybe 10 times smaller, then I don't think that it will fail at this point. But I don't know that it will become the one true kind of stable coin. I think we can expect to see a lot of copy-paste. I think we can expect to see a lot of experimentation in this space because of how much attention and money this thing has attracted. So Frax is one example, but I think we'll see a lot more. And I also think that... I don't know. In general, I do think it's a net positive. Like, I'm very high on Luna as a project... or Terra as a project. And... I think that in general, what they've done the last few weeks too to diversify their reserves and to not make it just be Luna driven is kind of a good thing. Um, I think if it fails, it'll be one of the most spectacular blow ups in history. When you say fail, you mean go to zero? Just about, yeah. Like the peg. Uh, yeah. Uh, uh, yeah. Depegging. Depegging. Death spiral. Death spiral. Uh,. Okay, wait. Um, what do you think is more likely? Uh, it goes like it, it fails mm-hmm. um, in one of those senses, right? Yeah, yeah. Or um, it flips 
either USDC or USDT this year. Oh, this year? I so, don't think so it's going to fa- happen. Failure, failure in three years versus flip this year. Uh, I think neither happens. Neither? Yeah. Okay. I would say flipping this year is very unlikely because USDT is pretty ma- USDT and USDC are very massive. It's true. I mean, there are like a lot of incumbents. USDT is what, like over four times the size, right? Yeah. Uh, USDC is over over three times. Yeah. About three times as big. And institutional players, I think for them to get comfortable with this, I think it'll take a little bit longer. Yeah. I think even now, they would probably still rather trust Tether than Luna or than Terra. I don't know. You know, like I... I feel like in technology, a lot of times, right, uh, the biggest steps forward are made by sort of like consolidation around a standard. Um, and I think stable coins have to go that way. Like, you think so? Yeah. Hmm. Uh, I don't see, well, like, yeah, just partially like from a slippage transaction cost perspective, I think they have to go that way. Um, and I think that like the... Um, I can see a world where you have like the fully KYC to like USDC model mm-hmm. and one decentralized one. Uh, but I don't think I don't think we're gonna like see like a proliferation of successful decentralized stablecoins. Interesting. I, I would I would bet like and basically if you think about like what makes a technology like easy to converge upon as the um as the like lingua franca or whatever as mm-hmm. the standard is that it should be the simplest possible thing that works. I don't know that I feel that UST is there. It's definitely not the simplest. (laughs) And it might not work. (laughs) (laughs) But uh, you know what I mean. Yeah. Uh, Like, it just might be the simplest thing that works. It's a thing that you can mint from another thing, and all you need to do, the only thing you need to trust here is the, like, price oracle mechanism basically and uh well you uh, you have to built into the software you have to believe that the first token that you're buying which is allegedly worth the market price right like you have to believe that that's worth something in the first place worth more than zero worth more than zero yeah exactly um you know, you're trading good dollars for this thing called Luna, which you don't know what that was supposed to represent, which then you burn to get this thing called UST. I mean, the Luna um, itself, right, is like kind of like it's very important because it's the native token, right? But like it's kind of irrelevant for just a user of UST. It is irrelevant. Until it hits, unless it hits zero. Exactly. I do but, think it's. But now it's not just that, right? It's Bitcoin. It's, it's Bitcoin AVAX. and AVAX. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You, you could think of this like a like a money market fund almost, right? Absolutely. Where like yeah. it is one step removed from an underlying dollar, but it's um, not that far removed. Yeah. Right? And it's only in like a really crazy black swan event where the money market funds start to trade below par. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I I mean, look, man, I feel like I've come across as a Luna bear and a Luna footer on this podcast, but I'm just providing the skeptic's view here. I think that this thing works out. I think that if there's going to be one major dominant stablecoin, like you say, it's going to be Terra, it's going to be USD, UST, <clears throat> decentralized stablecoin at least because of this network effect that they're building and it's more than just the the tech or or just anchor right like they're already available on quite a few chains they're building partnerships with the teams 
that are building these chains. And I think they're going to build a full ecosystem around it that's going to be successful and at some point just live in the background for tons and tons of different kinds of applications. Yeah. That's my thesis. Bullish. Anything else you got? Yeah, max maximum bullish. I'm max I'm, bull. I'm so I'm so bold up. Uh, let's go check Twitter so we can get some more content from, from Doquan. <laughs> he is truly hilarious. Here we uh, go. <laughs> All right, Doquan, you you're the only person so far, I guess, outside of Elizabeth Warren can that has an open invite. Time? Oh my, that would be so much fun, <laughs> dude. That would be so much fun. Okay, Elizabeth Warren and Doquan. Right, okay, fuck you both have kill. an open invite. <laughs> to come on for 120 seconds <laughs> together and it has to be together thank you for listening this has been a decent deep dive we went into terra luna today hit us up on twitter if you have any questions comments concerns not concerns don't hit us up with concerns we will not be listening decent crypto pod see you next time Uh, none of this was financial advice, legal advice, investment advice, or any other kind of advice. Uh, if you're looking for advice, you are definitely in the wrong place. Uh, until next time, stay decent.